From Future Founders HQ in the podcasting studio at 1871 in downtown Chicago, this is The Insider. Your fast pass for the latest news, tools, and debates for young entrepreneurs. Be sure to leave feedback about your experience with us today in our survey at the bottom of the e-pass. Thanks for listening. So we have Nick from Quavos today. Nick, if you can just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about like what your company is and where you're at in life and with the company right now. Sure. So uh, my name's Nick Hamburger. I founded a brand called Quavos with uh, my best friend from growing up, Zach. Uh, we make high-protein, low-carb chips out of egg whites. So it's kind of um, an innovative thing in the snacking category, um, a healthier chip than what's out there. And uh, we got started based off Zach being type one diabetic. He loved to make low carb snacks. And you know, one of his favorite snacks was eggs because they have no carbs or very minimal. And his favorite part of an egg dish was the crispy edge in the pan, like those little pieces that are left. And so we were inspired by those crispies to see if we could make a chip out of egg whites. It's awesome. So you said you grew up with him. Um, did you like know when you guys were growing up that you were going to be like entrepreneurs? When did that kind of set in? Yeah, I, I, we had the entrepreneurial bug from as early on as, as we can remember. Um, in sixth grade, in middle school, we had a business selling these premium Japanese sodas called Ramune in our cafeteria. So we'd buy them for a buck twenty-five at the grocery store and sell them for three bucks a piece at school, kind of under the table secretly, so that we wouldn't get caught. Uh, but we did end up getting shut down by the vice principal after we made like three hundred bucks in profit, and he made us donate the proceeds to Haiti, which um, was a pretty good outcome. So we'll know what to do. So uh, he did. He had some great advice about preservation and uh, ingredients to try, and so. Um, you know, we, we played around for that summer and then the summer after our first year of college. And then we got serious uh, this past January. We did the Venture Challenge course at um, UChicago. And that's kind of where we got obsessed with the business and built out the fundamentals. Um, so starting a company, so would you consider him like your best friend? Yes. How is yes. that working with your best friend on starting a company? Um, it's it's great. Like, it, it I think that there would be uh, an incredible... There'd be more tension if we, you know, didn't like each other so much and know each other so well. Yeah. Because, you know, there's so many decisions to make and, you know, we disagree probably 15 times a day. Yeah. But we're able to do it, um, you know, relatively respectfully, almost 100% of the time. Um, but, you know, it certainly, I feel like it, it transitioned almost from him being my best friend to him being like a family member because now uh -huh. I see him 10 hours a day and um, spend so much time with him. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's been interesting. Do you guys talk about where you want to take the company in the future? How like have you aligned visions on that, or have you been pretty much aligned from the beginning? Yeah. Um, well, you know, we definitely have both have the ambition to be, um, you know, the better for you chip, um, the healthier alternative in the category. Um, I think at times we have different ideas for like what the path should be, which retail channels to enter at what time, mm -hmm. you know, how focused to be on the online side of things versus the retail side of things. But we definitely both. Um, you know, have always seen the potential for a chip made from egg whites to kind of replace um, most chips that are currently out there. You're just really aligned around that product, like the idea of it. Yeah. 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 And honestly, around this wasn't there from the beginning, but the more we've learned about egg whites and we've tested them in some other applications, we've seen that we can 
uh, make a better for you option in a lot of different categories. Mm. So uh, we want to make coming an soon. egg white. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> um, definitely an egg white salad topping, which is basically just crunching up the chips. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, an egg white um, protein cookie is, is one thing we want to make in a mm-hmm. couple years. But for now, the focus is on this product and getting that out to everyone. Cool. So you're a student at UChicago, right? Mm-hmm. Is he as well? Um, Zach is a student at Williams. Okay. So you t- went through this venture challenge. What kind of resources did you get through that? Yeah. Um, so we got access to really good mentors mm-hmm. um, that are like some were professors at the Booth Business School. Some were entrepreneurs that were affiliated with Booth or the Polsky Entrepreneurship Center that uh, is tightly affiliated with Booth mm-hmm. and, and helped to run the course. Um, so we got a lot of coaches who, who helped us um, through the customer discovery process mm-hmm. where you're you know, talking to a lot of your target customers and figuring out um, how to tailor your product to them through the financial projection uh, process and the business planning process. Uh, and we also had, had help with pitching, um, you know, from from speech coaches. Um, so uh, there were a lot of great resources to help us along. Is there anything that you've taken advantage of outside of the Venture Challenge um, that's really been like a game changer for you as you built the business? Yeah. Um, so right after the Venture Challenge, we entered Kraft Heinz's Springboard Incubator. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, this was the first time they had an incubator class for small food brands. And um, we got a ton of help uh, from their branding and marketing personnel uh, on you know how to brand ourselves and how to go to market. Mm-hmm. And then there were four other companies that were in market. We were pre-launch. And so we were learning um, kind of what to do and what not to do from them. Um, being with them every day. Is there are there things as you've gone through these programs that like you guys have obviously been really like successful early on? Are you when you compare yourself against like maybe other companies you've come up with? Are there things where you're like, yeah, I understand where they tripped up and where we were, we were able to succeed? Just looking at like our other young entrepreneurs so that you can flag those things for them. Like some parts of being an entrepreneur really suck, and we see entrepreneurs that don't want to necessarily do those things that suck, but they're vital to success. So what are some of those things you've seen, you've encountered yourself or seen other people have problems with? Mm. Um, I, I think one thing that is vital is is being really diligent about the customer discovery process. Um, and, you know, not just interviewing 10 or 15 people, but hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also being careful about what feedback you take seriously. I think, you know, we sometimes are tempted to just open ourselves to everyone's opinion. Uh, but it's important to be very focused on who are you selling to and what are they saying and actually filter out what people say if they're not who you're targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you got to make sure you tailor your offering to the target customer. Can you give an but, example of that, of like maybe a time you got feedback that you're like, eh, not really what we're looking for, and you could see like somebody going down the wrong road with it? Yeah, well, this is, this is uh, an interesting one, and it's going to sound controversial, but like... <laughs> um, Everyone was telling us you got to get your sodium down mm-hmm. um, because, you know, most people don't want uh, a, a high sodium product in mm-hmm. their diet. But, you know, we're marketing early on right now to ketogenic dieters, people who are on a low carb diet because our product has three net carbs per serving. Mm-hmm. And they actually are deficient in sodium in a lot of cases because the diet makes you pee out um, mm-hmm. a lot of, of vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, for marketing to everyone in the world, mm-hmm. we want to reduce the sodium. And down the line, we, we will do that. Mm-hmm. But right now, actually, keeping it where it is or even raising it um, would make more sense. So you were able to like really focus on like the priority market that you were going to serve rather than getting distracted. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. That's one thing. I guess another thing um, is, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs want to raise 
only the amount of money they think they need like right now mm -hmm. um of course it, it's not like it's a walk in the park to raise a large sum but uh i think it, it is good to double or triple the number you're thinking of a lot in a lot of cases because sometimes people think they need a hundred or hundred fifty thousand dollars and it's like well that'll get you three months and you have to raise again you don't want to spend all of it yeah you like empty that out you're like oh god now you have to like hustle for that money all over again exactly and like a lot of times you can raise on the the dream of what you're going to do and then you get two months in you are on your way to proving the concept mm -hmm. but you don't have enough sales data or traction to you know show an impressive um uh pitch mm -hmm. and and you actually would have been better off kind of before you hit the market raising enough to get you six months in when you really could have shown something yeah impressive. right right right. so you got to give yourself enough runway so um thinking about like where you guys were at when you like had this idea and then i know an issue that a lot of food companies end up having is like they do get some traction and then like production becomes a problem especially yeah. for scaling for something like food so maybe talk through the process of like manufacturing your product and like where you're at now with that yeah yeah how you scaled yeah um so i mean we started and we're currently in a commercial mm -hmm. kitchen space which is a rented kitchen space um you know the i have spent the last six months on and off not like every day but spent a lot of time calling at least 100 facilities to, to find my next move and you know a lot a couple of those have gone very far and i've thought that's where we're going and then it falls through um, but now we actually have a place we're going in February, um, you know, which can do higher volumes. But uh, I, you know, we saw that problem that a lot of people have of like this gap between I've got a great product. I can make it at, you know, at low volumes, you sell out and then you have like a couple months where you're sold out and you lose a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to avoid that. So definitely, I think if you're um, producing um, something, especially a food product where oftentimes you'll need to move facilities. Um, from small volume to high volume, you want to plan that out in advance. Far, so far. what would be like your tips for helping people plan that out in advance? Like what were the, you said you get really, you know, far down the road with one, you know, partner and then it would fall through. Like what were the common pitfalls there that people might be going down that journey need to keep heads up for? Yeah. Um, I think you just got to be very upfront on your timeline and see if it fits their timeline. Mm -hmm. That one was an issue because we wanted to move very quickly and they said, oh, actually, you know, four months from now is the first time we'll have openings. And so if, if we would have been more upfront about in the first or second conversation about, you know, okay, great, there's a fit, you can make our product, but do you have the time? Do you have the, you know, mm -hmm. openings on your calendar? Mm -hmm. um, that would have solved that for us. So I guess um, getting all the details squared away, not just can they make my product, but um, can they fit my timeline and can they do the amount I need them to do? Mm -hmm. And is the price right too? Sometimes you'll have, you'll have three conversations and then they'll quote you. The earlier you can get at least a sense of where their pricing will be, the better off you'll be. Because <laughs> you won't be surprised and then go, oh wait, I can't work with Fall this in love with them and then they like put the money on the table and you're like, oh God. Exactly, exactly. I loved you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How did you get anyone to pay attention to you at the beginning and like start getting to the point of the first sales? um from a from a consumer perspective yep. um well i mean i we we've been helped by a couple of things one was we we did get some press from when we got into craft so that was nice in that it helped us build an email list um and it helped you know when we were talking about the product it helped with kind of um i guess validation mm -hmm. i think also just 
highlighting what's different about the product catches people's attention saying you know we make egg white chips piques people's curiosity Mm -hmm. and i'd say for one in 10 people it's a bad thing it's like what is that that's gross Mm -hmm. i don't want to try that but for most people it piques their curiosity and they want to try it out Mm -hmm. um so it, it captures people's attention more than i think oh you know we have these homemade cookies or something well i've had cookies before you mm-hmm. know, so being a new product is helpful so were you like making sales like what was your first like really successful channel of sales for sales um, was it online yeah i mean so we're still pretty new into sales we've been selling for six weeks okay. oh okay. Um, yeah um but we are in three freshies in the loop mm-hmm. um including the one that's really close uh, here to the mart um and we're also in a coffee shop in our hometown in, in Glencoe mm-hmm. called Hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been great just because uh, a lot of people know us in Glencoe. It's a small town. So that's been fun. And then um, the U Chicago campus shops have definitely been the biggest source of, of revenue just because um, a lot of students at U Chicago know us pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've sold bags faster there than any of the other hmm. uh, 10 stores we're in. How did the Freshie? Thing come about like how'd you get into a pretty established chain of stores yeah um we just walked into the freshie on la sale um and said hey can we stock our product and there were it wasn't just like oh yeah put it on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> um but then we sent an email with more information they, they we sent them a sample and then they agreed to, to stock it but every channel is different you know um it depends if it's owned by one corporation who has all the locations in freshie's case it's people own franchises yeah so you have to find the owner of the franchises okay cool talk to them. Yeah. so what is the goal like is that what you kind of want to continue to do is get into like shops like that or do you want to end up getting into like distribution within grocery stores yeah um so our thinking on this has changed a lot but we're now going to be primarily focused online um mm. for the first year or so uh that's going to be off our site cuevos.com mm-hmm. uh shameless plug yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh off amazon um starting in the spring at some point of next year uh you know the thinking there is just that we're targeting ketogenic dieters as i said uh and also people who like protein in their diet so crossfitters and you know fitness fanatics in general and those people buy a ton of products online and often can't find their ideal products in grocery Mm. stores um we do want to be um, a retail brand, of course. So uh, we're in talks to enter Whole Foods um, at some point in the summer next year. Mm. Uh, it wouldn't be a national rollout. It would be Illinois or the Midwest, depending on um, their availability. Mm-hmm. And from there, we'd want to grow in Whole Foods, probably add GNC next. Um, but we want to make the retail rollout uh, a bit slower and have online be the focus, just because at the beginning, um, you know, you want to make sure you're testing in retail and succeeding in retail before you take on huge numbers of stores. If you add hundreds of stores and it doesn't go well, and uh, they send your product back and charge you back, and then you can never get back in. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're going to sell well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so where are you at in school right now? Um, so I'm technically still a student at University of Chicago, I guess. I mean, I'm on leave to pursue the business. Okay. Uh, I did two years at, at University of Chicago. What was making that decision like? Um, you know, it honestly was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, it was obvious to me that it was the right call. Uh, and to Zach, too, my co-founder. He's off. He's was at Williams. He's off mm-hmm. of school now. Um, I think we were just experiencing uh, the workload of the business combined with school. And it, it was pretty intense. Like, I was probably sleeping uh, six hours on average a night, which I mean, it's not horrible, but it, it's worse than it yeah. was. And, and, you know, it was just like all my day was work, schoolwork and, and this. And so 
I knew it was only going to get more intense on the business side. Yeah. So it was obvious that. So you had this like entrepreneur background coming up like as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, and now you're like living the dream with it, at least like starting to get to the point of living the dream. <laughs> Let's hope. Like, are your parents entrepreneurs? Um, No. My my dad was in business. Yeah. Has been in business for 35 years. Yeah. Um, And my mom was a lawyer and then uh, was a stay-at-home mom to raise yeah. um, me and my two brothers. So uh i don't know what it was i mean i just always always wanted to kind of control my destiny i guess yeah um which i think is it were you looking for that opportunity like when you guys you said you like started thinking about this right before you went to school or Mm -hmm. into college like were you just always looking for the idea and knew that's what you would be doing like by the time you finished school yeah we had thought that we would do this when we graduated yeah uh we just didn't we you know we never knew about the venture challenge course and it was just kind of a uh, like a a snowball once you yeah. did that, um, but yeah, I mean, I always, I definitely was dreading the prospect of just uh, getting a normal job somewhere. So, how are your parents reacting to you taking leave from school? Um, well, at, at first, they were not super into it. Yeah, they thought it was pretty risky. Yeah, uh, but I think part of the problem was they didn't like the product at that point. So, mm-hmm. like, is it really going to sell this? Mm-hmm. But then we improved the product. Uh, they started to like it more, and then I think they realized, like, like I'm living at home, mm-hmm. and they knew I was going to be living at home. So, like, he's going to be home every night. We're going <laughs> to cook him dinner. So, uh, they they quickly got used to it. A little it. bit of a bonus <laughs> there. Yeah, that's really cool. I know that like a lot of people struggle with like when. Will they kind of make the break from school and actually like take a chance on themselves and their idea? Because like clearly you knew this is what you wanted to do and you hit on something. Um, and then like how to recon- reconcile that with their families. Um, so yeah, it's a curious kind of point in your life to come to, but it's cool that you're going after it. Thank you. Um, are there any like companies or entrepreneurs that you really look up to as maybe either like a model for Quavos or just for yourself and the values you have as you're building the company? Yeah. Um, there's a guy named Brian Johnson who I like a lot. He, okay. he started Braintree, which was mm-hmm. Venmo. Mm-hmm. Um, actually went through the Venture Challenge programming uh, for graduate students at Booth. Um, but uh, what I like about what he did was he, he made his money and he'd always wanted to, since he, he did a service trip, um, when he was younger and was like, I, I want to help alleviate human suffering, but I feel like I can do that better if I have, have all, you know, the resources mm-hmm. to make an impact. And so after I think like 14 years of, he started two companies that failed, then Venmo worked, he was able to still stick to that vision and is now investing in some really impactful biotech companies and, um, also trying to make a brain machine interface for, um, people with neurological disorders. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's you know kind of how i feel about what i want to do but i definitely know that there's a lot of people who start with an ambition like that and then um succeed and get resources and then they're changed by the experience Mm -hmm. and they're more focused on uh, buying nice things or something at the end of it so i like i'm just impressed that he was able to maintain the drive to uh be of service to the world despite all the attractions that come with making a lot of money. Have you had an opportunity to meet him or see him speak yet? Um, no, you know, I'm hoping to meet him um, next time he's in Chicago, mm. but I have, haven't met him yet. Cool. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. Um, can you talk a little bit about, so you had mentioned like the amount of money that you knew you'd need or that you thought you'd need. How have you, and I think money is like a huge, obviously like a huge kind of stopping block for a lot of young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general. And how did you kind of, 
financially project what you needed and then how did you did you start raising money yeah um so i mean the projections shifted as as we got you know further into the business but i guess um we we just accumulated as much data as we could from other entrepreneurs so like how many bags sell um you know in the stores you're in per week and we'd ask we asked andy who founded skinny pop Mm -hmm. you know we asked someone with a jerky company uh, we asked someone with a healthy chip company. So try to get a sense of like, how much is this going to be selling? How many stores are we going to be in? Uh, how much are we going to sell on Amazon? How much are we going to sell online? And then um, what is our manufacturing cost? What will it come down to? Um, and and that's a matter of getting kind of tiered pricing from many manufacturers and averaging, okay, I think I'm going to be able to get to this price per mm-hmm. bag. So that's an important part. And then the marketing spend is is kind of the biggest spend we're going to have. Mm-hmm. And so for that, we had to talk to some entrepreneurs about what they did. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was about because, you know, how on your own, you're never going to know right. how this is going to work. And still, everyone's projections are always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you just kind of do the best you can and make the best assumptions. Yeah. Um, and then what was the second part of your question? Sorry. How did you start raising money? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the first um, checks that we got were from friends and family, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, you know, it, if that is something you can tap into, that's a great way to go just mm-hmm. because those are the people who will forgive you mm-hmm. for a lot of your mistakes. Um, and after that point, we networked um, to get meetings with different angel investors mm-hmm. um, and um, did have a couple people reach out because of the craft publicity, which was helpful. But um, most of it just came through networking. And even if someone would say no, they'd say, hey, but you, you should talk to my friend. He does some investments. She does some investments. So you kind of one meeting turns into two meetings and you have to take a lot of meetings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we're still we're finishing up our, our seed raise right mm-hmm. now. So kind of pivoting from the money and and how we got to know you is through UPitch uh, competition, which is Future Founders National Pitch Competition, which you won. Um, I know that you've had a lot of success on like kind of the pitch circuit. Can you talk about what that process was like, maybe like how you prepared for your first pitch competition, what your first win looked like, yeah, and, and how you approached those competitions? Yeah, sure. Um, so the first three pitches we did were all part of the Venture Challenge course. Um, and I'm really glad they had three because so the <laughs> first one was like practice there's no consequence mm-hmm. uh and you know we threw together a horrible slide deck and we were all really nervous and we got in front of the judges and it was we each had like four minutes it was three of us me ben and david who are on the team uh and uh, we each had like four minutes 12 minutes total we were all nervous and uh then we did a horrible job in the q a and we were kind of defensive <laughs> um so like you you know unfortunately you need to practice something to get better and the only way to really practice public speaking with the pressure is just to have a speech opportunity so it's too bad like i think it's gonna <laughs> it is almost inevitable i think uh if you're doing public speaking that it, it will go poorly once right like um it did for us and then the second one was like there were 10 teams that got whittled down to five based on the results of the second one we kind of improved sharpened up we were still really defensive in the Q&A. We thought there's no way we'll make it to the finals because we were just kind of got destroyed. Bombing the Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> and then the finals, like, we all just hit our stride. I think having practiced it twice was super helpful. Um, but I guess the one major thing I've learned um, 
everyone's different, but I, I, I think this has been corroborated by others I've talked to is to not memorize word for word. Um, that really can trip you up because then if you make, if you forget the exact word you need to say, you don't know what to say at all. But if you remember, here are the points I'm making in this progression. I have a map of the terrain I'm going to uh, traverse. Then you can be much more fluid and kind of talk through it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a big thing. I've yeah, learned. trust yourself. Yeah. yeah, you really do. You really do. And I mean, the more you can just talk, the better. What was going on with those Q&As? Was it like you loved the product and it was getting dinged? And I think so. Someone asked, like, how do you know the dog's going to eat the dog food? You know, which, you know how do you know people are going to buy this? And and we were just so, it was so obvious to us, people are going to buy it because it's low carb and there's low carb dieters and it's high protein and, you know, fitness fanatics love protein. Um, and it's low calorie and everyone loves low calorie. So it was obvious to us, but, uh, you know, we should have calmly explained that. Um, and then actually between the, the pitch where we were defensive and the finals where we ended up winning, um, we went out and did a pop-up sale and sold like, uh 30 bags just to and we posted a picture of that in our next slide deck so we wouldn't get that question you're like dogs eating food (laughs) (laughs) exactly and it's like 30 bags doesn't mean anything but we didn't get a question about how do you know people like this like people there was enough to convince people so so you're learning as you went with it and really refining each time yeah yes that's another huge thing i guess is is taking the feedback from what doesn't go well and, and making sure you you have your bases covered for the next time cool yeah. So what do you think, like, when you're doing these competitions, is it, like, the goal just to get money, or is it really, like, the network? What do you see as the main value or that you take away from them? Yeah, uh, the network is definitely more valuable than the money, for sure. Uh, and, you know, at each competition we've done, we've met people who um, have become investors or have become advisors or have connected us to someone who's become um, an advisor or just been helpful for a call. Um, yeah, I mean, you can you can learn so much from the people you talk to and the people that those people connect you to. And of course, the other founders, like, um, you know, I made some friends at these competitions and um, it's really fun to hear about other people's startups, but then to be like, wow, there's other people doing this. It's not just me because it can be uh, somewhat lonely life. So sure, um, it, it's nice to relate to other people uh, on that level too. It seems like you are you and your team have been just really good about leveraging relationships. I mean, from your neighbor who came up with skinny pop, is he like a mentor to you guys? Would you categorize him in that way? Yeah, well, yeah. he's on he's on our advisory you're board on your as well. Advisory yeah. board. You're meeting people at competitions and the programs you're going through. I think a lot of times people, um, especially younger people, have a hard time um, figuring out how to ask for things because it just seems like, they're taking, 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 whether it's in that mentor relationship or you do meet somebody, it's a great opportunity for you. So how do you approach that and how do you feel comfortable and what does that process for you look like? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, at the beginning of this, I felt that like, oh man, I, I hate the feeling of just asking someone older who's done this before over and over for things. But um, I guess the mentality I approach it with is like, this is how I would want to be if I was older. Like I would want to help people along their way. and. And you can see that pe- a lot of people do just enjoy giving, giving, giving in one direction, and it's okay. Um, you know, I do wish there were more opportunities where I could help, like a fellow entrepreneur who's who's much older, help them back, mm-hmm. um, get them an investor, or you know, get them into a retail chain. But uh, even if you can't, I think you should realize that people do want to help, and they feel good helping. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, the other thing is like, you know, people will say no and if they don't want to do something for you. So it's like, um, you know, it, sometimes it's it's tough to see like, oh, they don't want to have a call with me. But you get over it in like a minute, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So it's like it's it's worth asking 10 people for uh, a call to, to get their thoughts on your business and getting, you know, eight no's and two yeses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, always ask. The worst it can say is no. So I always tell no. people. <laughs> and someone said, I think this is a common expression, but I just heard it recently. Like, if you don't scream, you don't eat. I love that expression. I love that expression because it's just like, there's there's a lot of times I've been like, should I text like this guy and see if he knows any manufacturing facilities? Like, oh no, I bothered him last week. And then I do. And then it it's really helpful. So it's just like, scream. Awesome. You know? <laughs> That's, That's what a learned. great, I've never heard that before, but really? I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Uh, just to wrap it up, I just want to know what you're excited about with 2019 coming up. What's what's going to happen in the new year for you? Yeah, I, I'm so pumped to, to launch this product in a, in a more major way. We are selling on Quavos.com, but currently we don't have a huge inventory, so we're not like advertising. We're just letting organic traffic stumble in. Um, so I can't wait to just be like, uh, you know, using a lot of influencers on Instagram, um, getting on blogs, g- getting on keto podcasts, and, and just telling people that. We've got this awesome, healthy product out there um, that's better than any other chip that's ever existed. And yeah, it's going to be super fun. Better than any other chip that's ever existed. Mm -hmm. 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for talking to me today. I'm really excited about 2019 for you and to see where you take the company. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. The Future Founders podcast is produced by the Future Founders team. As a reminder, be sure to leave feedback about your experience with us today in our survey at the bottom of the ePass. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month.